focus on headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. Today, we have our reporters Che Ji-hee and Lee Ji-young joining us in the studio. Guys, welcome back. Good, Good morning. morning. It's my first time reporting with Ji-young, actually. I was going to say, this is the first combo. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the G, G sisters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, the G's. <laughs> the, G, the G's are joining us uh, in the studio today. Well, nevertheless, guys, it's good to see you guys in the studio today. We have a lot to talk about. Um, we're going to start things off uh, for a change, I guess, on a brighter note. Uh, maybe uh, today, or I should say, for some of the students out there, not really a great day, right? Back to how do you guys right. feel about back to school? <laughs> well, I was when I was younger, like in elementary school, I mm. used to be actually very excited to go back to school. Really? Is that weird? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, when you're super young, but once you hit puberty, that's right. that's one of those days you're going, <laughs> no, <I> was, <laughs> yeah, shackles back on. <laughs> no, I was gonna say like when it was like college, I was mm. always looking forward to you know first day of school and things oh. like that. College was fun. Uh, oh yeah, college was fun. But it was like an elementary. I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh, oh really? Back How's to school. Aaron? Aaron is uh, starting his uh, third year of daycare. We re- <laughs> we refuse to send him to uh, kindergarten. So uh, we didn't have any of that, uh, what is it, uh, the welcoming ceremony that uh, you do, right? I know a lot of his uh, friends his age uh, went into kindergarten. But the, way, the reason why we mentioned this is because uh, today is the first day of school. Mm-hmm. And Korea has this unique thing where they have... Uh, a thing called ipakshik, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like the welcoming ceremony. Mm-hmm. Right, or like entrance Entrance ceremony. ceremony. Yeah, I mean, it's, the wording of this is interesting <laughs> because I'm, I'm not familiar with this whatsoever. Uh-huh. But uh, today's entrance ceremony is the first of its kind in four years in that there is, number one, in-person entrance ceremony and also no masks uh, being put in place. So uh, let's hear what set of quarantine rules the education ministry has set forward in the coming years. Chi, you're going to start us off here. Right. So schools across the nation began their new academic year today uh, with entrance ceremonies held without the mask mandate for the first time since 2019. Just like you said, SJ, for the first time in four years, uh, as the mask mandates were introduced after the outbreak of COVID-19 in 2020. And I I believe um, schools didn't even have these ceremonies uh, for the past three years. And the beginning of the new school year comes after the South Korean Education Ministry announced a set of quarantine rules for schools across the nation to follow. Now, the last time in-person school entrance ceremonies that did not require students to wear a mask was back in March 2019. And in 2020, shortly after the COVID-19 pandemic outbreak, uh, the beginning of the school year was repeatedly postponed before the ceremonies were held online in mid-April. And with the following two years featuring offline ceremonies uh, that abided by a new set of social distancing rules, including mask wearing. And I'm sure students are a lot more used to wearing masks around their friends and Mm -hmm. in schools. Uh, And as schools sought to resume their normal daily routines, the government has adjusted quarantine rules, including easing regulations on the submission of information and that uh, 
diagnosis app. And under the new rules, entering such information is only recommended if a person is suffering from COVID-19 symptoms, uh, has tested positive for the virus, or is waiting for PCR test results after a family member has tested positive. Now, also with the new rules, the standard temperature checks conducted on all students and faculty members are no longer mandatory, uh, while plastic dividers are not required in cafeterias as well. Now, although wearing masks indoors is no longer mandatory in line with the lifting of the indoor mask mandate in January, uh, students will be obligated to wear masks on school buses because they are public transportations. Uh, And schools must also maintain basic safety requirements, including regulations regularly ventilating classrooms and uh, reserving areas where students or faculty members showing symptoms of COVID-19 can be observed. And the education ministry will provide schools with support for the next two weeks to help them adjust to these new rules uh, with plans to assign up to 58,000 quarantine personnel to schools and provide hand sanitizers and thermometers to lessen the burden of the mandates on schools. Yeah, I believe uh, the other times that uh, they're supposed to have the uh, masks on is if like the students are involved with like shouting or like singing and Mm -hmm. stuff like that in a very enclosed space that could be, I don't know, in a Mm -hmm. choir, whatever it may be, or for like, uh, uh, I don't know if Korea does this, but like in the U.S. they used to have like pep rallies Mm -hmm. uh, where they cheer on for their football team and things like that. Uh, But I mean, this is huge because again, I mean, for even for my child who's been going to daycare center since the start of the outbreak of COVID-19, he's Mm -hmm. had had the, the mask on for such a long time. And so... The thing is, because the teachers were all wearing masks, they had a hard time picking up language, right? Mm-hmm. And so the kids, usually what they do is they look at the, the movements of the lips and they kind of, uh, you know, take in the language in that sense. So there were so many kids who were sort of slow in picking up language around his age. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that uh, all the mask mandates are done and over with, now they're getting used to not having the mask on because they're so used to it. Mm-hmm. But Again, it does seem like uh, Yang Gurum says only now we have the public transportation mandates. You're right. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, I mean, we've basically now gone to pre-COVID days, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have just that very few uh, measures put in place. Um, but experts are still saying that because of the restrictions that are being lifted, there is a chance that the number of COVID-19 cases will surge in the month of March and April. Chiang, let's get the details of that. Uh, Sure. Now, South Korean authorities expect that the number of confirmed cases could increase in March and April. And this is because when there has been a pattern of infections in small or big groups, uh, that has been happening a lot in the past couple of years, especially in schools. That's why pretty much everyone who has a child that goes to school or nurseries have been infected with the virus. Now, quarantine official Im Su-kyung said that she's a bit wary because it is the first semester of the school year and the semester first semester for students uh, to take off their masks since the pandemic hit the country. Uh, so the first couple of months will be an adjustment period for the kids, parents, and also the faculty. Now, uh, Lim said that even though there could be a, a surge in infections for the next two months, uh, the key is to keep the numbers in a controllable figure so that it doesn't become an eighth wave of the uh, infections. So experts believe that a temporary rebound may occur for two or three weeks after school starts, but 
it's unlikely that it will be the beginning of a huge wave of infections. Uh, this means that there will be a little chance for the mask mandate or any other quarantine rule to come back within the school semester. Now, infectious disease professor Um Jung-sik said that there's a high chance that many teenagers and children might have already gotten COVID during the winter break without even knowing. So it's likely for them to already have the COVID antibodies, uh, which could protect them from getting another infection during the school semester. I was just kind of curious as to what kind of figures we have on a daily basis right now. YTN doesn't even have the COVID-19 tab anymore. Uh, Yonap has it hidden somewhere now. It's hard because like it was out in the open. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're not really looking at, let's see, what figure do we, we had 7,561 uh, cases mm -hmm. of COVID-19. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, uh, critically ill patients figure has dropped down to 129. If you remember, it was mm -hmm. like 500s, 400s. Uh, yeah, it's a huge drop, uh, but we are still seeing something like 15, 16, mm -hmm. 11 uh, deaths on mm -hmm. a daily basis. So 7,500, I think that's sort of manageable. It's, it's certainly far better than some of the figures that uh, we've seen in the past here. Mm -hmm. um, let's move on here. Hope that uh, the COVID-19 situation is a thing of the past. And let, just like uh, Yang Gurum said, of course, we still, still, still do have the public transportation mask mandates in place. But even that, I think, um, some of the experts were saying that by May is when they might completely lift everything. And by then, hopefully, mm -hmm. uh, this long three plus years of war against COVID-19 is a thing of the past. Mm -hmm. um, let's move on here. Some other important news related to national affairs, uh, including the upgrading of the state agency on uh, veterans affairs status and the establishment of an independent aerospace administration here in the country as well. Chi, let's get the details of this. Sure. So the National Assembly approved a bill on elevating the state of the former Patriots and Veterans Affairs to a ministry level body and also establishing a new government agency uh, to handle policies on overseas Koreans. And also as part of the revision of this bill, uh, a sub-ministry level agency will be created that is to handle policies on overseas Koreans, like I said, under the foreign ministry and replace the previous Overseas Koreans Foundation. Now, the envisioned launch is aimed at strengthening government support for over 7 million Koreans living outside of their home country. Uh, the new agency will also provide a one-stop service for consular, legal, military, educational, and other functions previously handled by uh, separate bodies. And the revision also calls for the establishment of the new Ministry of Patriots and Veterans Veterans Affairs, and that's only uh, upgrading the previous agency. And the promotion will allow the Veterans Affairs Minister to fully participate in the cabinet's uh, decision-making process instead of only sitting in on cabinet meetings. And also, uh, the country aims to establish a space agency based on a special law granting a degree of autonomy as well as flexibility uh, to the public sector in the country uh, that has that it has never seen before, which reflects the government's all-out efforts to develop and support the space sector in particular. Now, under this revised Government Organization Act, uh, which will take effect as early as June, the proportion of term-based 
least public officials cannot exceed 20% at a government body. That's one of the details of this revised uh, act of this important bill. And the Ministry of Science and ICT on Thursday announced, uh, that's today, the beginning of the advanced publication of legislation for the special law on the establishment and operation of the country's new space agency. Now, the space agency has been tentatively named the Korea Space and Aeronautics uh, administration, according to the preparatory office, and the government plans to obtain the National Assembly's approval in the first half of this year and hopefully establish the KSAA before the end of this year. Guys, we're going to move on. Uh, we've talked about in our previous uh, programs about the current pension system and how the fund for the pension system. Uh, really dropping at very quick rates uh, mm. to the point where some are fearing that years of putting into the pension system, by the time it's their turn to receive the pension, there might be no money uh, left over. Well, check this. Uh, financial market hasn't been very good. I remember it was not too long ago when everybody was making a ton of money on, mm. the re uh, on the stock markets and everyone was a stock market expert for some reason. Well, things haven't been really good in the past couple of years right now, and that's led to South Korea's National Pension Service recording the lowest annual rate of return ever as it logged an 8.22% drop in assets in 2022. Jiang, tell us more about this. Sure. Now, as global stock and bond markets tumbled, South Korea's National Pension Service, also known as NPS, said its total assets fell by 79.6 trillion won in 2022 to 890.5 trillion won. Now, it was the first annual fall since 2019, 2018 when the fund's assets fell by 0.92% and the drop, sharpest drop since its establishment in 1988. Um, the National Pension Service recorded a negative return for the first time in history at negative 0.18% in 2008 when the global financial crisis hit. So uh, this is the third negative return in history and also the largest loss. Now, the National Pension Service uh, said that that last year's rate of return was negative due to the global financial financial market crunch uh, caused by monetary tightening and also by Russia's war in Ukraine. Now, by assets, local stocks and bonds fell by 22.76% and 5.56% respectively, while overseas stocks and bonds each lost 12.34% and 4.91%. And also alternative investments increased by 8.94%. Now, the stock investment loss was particularly large as the stock market was hit by the U.S.'s aggressively raising interest hikes for the past uh, year. Now, the Ministry of Health and Welfare said that they will continue to make efforts to improve long-term re uh, returns by working with experts who can expand overseas and alternative investments uh, with relatively good returns and diversify investments while discovering new assets to make the asset allocation system flexible. Uh, now, the National Assembly Pension Reform Committee also held a plenary session today this afternoon in Yoido to discuss to uh, create a foundation for the country's pension before reform because, as you said, 
SJ. A lot of people are worried that maybe when it's time for them to receive the pension checks, uh, there just won't be enough money left. So, uh, but... If you look at the bright side of things, uh, the cumulative rate of return is 5.11% since the pension service uh, started. And even with last year's losses, it has earned a total of 151 trillion won in operating profits over the past five years. Yeah. So for our listeners out there, um, I don't know if anyone follows the stock markets and things like that. We talk about uh, how much of the foreign investors uh, put bought or sold. Mm-hmm. We talk about uh, retail investors who bought and sold, and uh, by retail investors would be you and I, right, and mm-hmm. us. And then they have institution, uh, institutional investors, and that would be basically the NPS. Uh, yeah. They could be like the banks also try to profit off from, uh, you know, the buying stocks and things like that. And so. Like this was like the big controversy. And like, yeah, I guess the stocks is the only way they could kind of make money and try mm-hmm. to expand the fund that they have. But some people are going, well, you guys are using our money and gambling with exactly. it. And then you're basically losing our money. But I guess on the flip side, sometimes you can win and sometimes you can lose because cumulatively, at least they're on the plus. Mm. But a lot of people are saying because the national uh, pension system is kind of tanking right now, mm-hmm. what, the, what the government is doing, they're tracking down people who are not paying for the uh, the pension system. And I had no idea in the 13 plus years <laughs> that I lived in Korea that I had to pay pension. Right. Oh, really? Because, well, number one, I'm a freelancer. Number two, I'm a foreigner. And so I did not know that I was supposed to be paying in until oh, wow. I get a letter after 13 years, you haven't paid. Start paying. Oh, wow. Because the minute I became a freelancer, they sent they started sending me letters saying, you got to pay, you got to pay. Oh. And yeah, so after three months, I kind of let it go. And then they started calling me. I think that was because you were in you. the system before. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because okay. when you were working for a company, mm-hmm. like they have you in the system. And once right. you're a freelancer, and now you have to pay off oh, of your right. own. Okay. Right. Well, did you have to pay for the past 13 years? No, because if they were going to pay, make me pay for the past 13 years, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving the country. No, but it's all joking aside. I mean, like that was an honest mistake on my front. Mm -hmm. And uh, next thing you know, once I'm starting paying, I'm only like paying into it for like the past two months now. Uh, They're talking about potentially increasing the rate. Yeah, yeah. Payment and now this, they're losing my money. And it's now because you earn more, I guess. No, uh, no, because they're cha- they're saying that because I think uh. right now the rate is. 9%, 8% or 9% mm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. But they're thinking about increasing that to 15% because they're saying there's not enough money. And so does that mean we're going to get more money later on? That's what we're hoping. But again, if there's not enough money mm. and they're going to continue to lose money, uh, I don't know where my money is going to go, right? Mm. A lot of upset people out there. Uh, let's move on. Uh, some economic and industrial news this time. The country's retail sales have been seeing losses for the third consecutive month with decreasing consumption. However, uh, the statistics show that industrial output saw a slight increase on month in January. G, let's get the details of that. Sure. So South Korea is continuously witnessing an economic slowdown despite the upturn in the latest industrial output tally. Now, the country's industrial output uh, edged up 0.5% in January compared to the previous month, uh, which is the first really on-month increase in four months. 
However, despite the surprise rise in production, private consumption remains low, uh, leading to the third straight month of sales drop in retail. Now, meanwhile, January's rebound in industrial production came as the combined output in the mining, manufacturing, uh, gas, and electricity sectors increased by 2.9% in January, again from the previous month. And growth in January's overall industrial output surpassed a forecast of a 0.47% on-month decline in a survey of seven domestic and foreign financial institutions. Now, despite uh, January's such gain, officials and market watchers point out there are growing signs of a slowdown in the country. And Finance Minister Chu Kyung-ho said uh, during an emergency meeting with economy-related ministers that uncertainty remains high over how the economy will perform form down the road as exports remain uh, anemic uh, amid slowing domestic economic indicators. Now, there are worries over South Korea's economic slowdown, uh, and they believe that they are fueled mainly by a protracted slump in its overseas shipments. Uh, especially the exports of semiconductors. Also, at a separate meeting on exports, Industry Minister Lee Chang-yang said both external and internal conditions for exports and investment are far from favorable, uh, citing a global economic slowdown, high interest rates, the country's massive energy imports, and a delay in the revision to a tax incentives law uh, for technology investment as major challenges. Now, retail sales as well, which is a key barometer of consumer spending, it shrank 2.1% in the same month in January from the prior month uh, due to weaker demand for uh, foodstuffs, other goods, and winter clothes, etc. And analysts are also voicing concerns over South Korea's high consumer inflation, which is continuing. Uh, I mean, consumer prices, they grew 5.2% in January on year as energy costs shot, shot up to a historical level. So analysts warn that weak business and consumer sentiment combined with plunging exports will likely have a negative impact on the country's economy uh, over the year. We're going to move on here. Uh, we've been seeing during since the start of the Biden administration, uh, Biden has been pushing for uh when the previous Trump administration was going make America great again, the Biden administration was pushing for uh, America first slogan was what it was. Now, certainly we are seeing a lot of America first policies being passed over in the United States, which ultimately affecting some of the closest allies uh, of the United States, such as South Korea. We talked about the Inflation Reduction Act. Now, the U.S. government announcing the details of the CHIPS Act's which now puts South Korean semiconductor companies in a very discouraging situation because now the U.S. has put forth strict conditions, making it difficult for private companies. Uh, Jim, let's get the details of this. Uh, sure. Now, uh, the Semiconductor Support Act, also known as the CHIP Act, a CHIPS Act, uh, will provide uh, $52.7 billion U.S. dollars in financial support and a 25% investment tax credit for the semiconductor industry. So that's a lot of free money for um, companies. Yeah. But one of the catches is that uh, Korean chip makers uh, point, make a point to say that there's a problem in the conditions and uh, there's a clause requiring the U.S. national security agencies will be given access to cutting edge semiconductors 
produced in the United States. Now, the U.S. government says that the clause was made to stably supply semiconductors to the U.S. Department of Defense and other U.S. national security agencies. But the problem is that there are no specific details on the scope of such access. So no chip maker in their mind will want to bear the burden of leaking trade secrets in order to receive these subsidies. Right. Now, a guard, another guardrail clause in the uh, CHIPS Act is also a burden uh, in that it forces Korean companies to choose between the United States and China. Now, Samsung Electronics and SK Hynix, as you know, have uh, plants in China, and the amount of semiconductor products produced by the two companies in China is close to 40 to 50 percent of their totals. And the proportion of their sales in the two companies' total sales stands at 30 percent. So that's a huge number. Now, if they receive U.S. subsidies, they will face U.S. restrictions in their joint research or technology license with Chinese companies. And it will be impossible for them to expand facilities at their Chinese semiconductor plants for the next 10 years. Now, they have to produce products without technological process as about 42-50% of their products in total. So, the U.S. Department of Commerce also made it clear that the guardrail clause stating that companies receiving subsidies must return all of the money if they conduct joint research with uh, countries concerned, such as China. Now, the subsidy program is a decision that puts the U.S. national interest first, and consequently, Korean chip makers have no choice but to make a political decision, which is is a much more complex issue than the chip's production alone. So that's why experts agree that the Korean government's role has become even more important than ever in this situation. Again, U.S. national interest first goes back to the whole America first slogan that mm-hmm. the Biden administration was kind of pushing for. And, you know, when we're talking about like the Chip 4 alliance, right? I mean, there was like they had called on South Korea to join the Chip 4. But it's like for South Korea, I mean, it's very difficult to be a part of that. And when China is a huge part of their semiconductor chip mm-hmm. processing uh, process, and then you have... Basically, I, it makes absolutely no sense. A lot, a lot of these companies, like Samsung Electronics, SK mm-hmm. Hynix, they put in a lot of money to make sure that their secret is kept secret. That's right. It, it doesn't matter, no matter how big of an ally you are with the United States, there are certain things you just don't share, mm-hmm. like your grandma's recipes for cookies. <laughs> you don't share that stuff. And so you can't kind of put these subsidies as a leverage and go, well, you're not going to get any of these if you don't give us the seat. Like, that, that just makes absolutely no sense. And so you're seeing sort of like a very indirect bullying that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, also forcing a lot of these countries, Not by the way, not just South Korea. There's other countries that are being sort of pushed by United States to not deal with China. And so eventually, when you have like, for example, the CHIPS Act, the CHIP4 Alliance, who is it ultimately benefiting? Mm-hmm. It's not benef- certainly not benefiting South Korea. It's certainly not benefiting China Taiwan not benefiting Netherlands, it's only benefiting the United States. And so this is the big controversy right now in that sure, it seems like for national interest, U.S. national interest, it's good. But countries that we all thought that U.S. were close allies with were put in a very, very difficult situation. And we haven't been very fond of some of these acts. And of course, that including the Inflation Reduction Act. 
we're going to move on here and talk about, and I think this update will certainly answer your question, uh, Polina Maldonado, and you were asking whether or not a Korean airline uh, mm. officially bought out Asiana, uh, Korean Air, I should say, Korean Air bought out Asiana Airline. Well, the British Competition and Markets Authority announced Wednesday that it had indeed approved the planned merger of South Korea's two major airlines, once again, Korean Air and Asiana Airlines. Chi, let's get the latest updates on that. Sure. So after reviewing a proposal by Korean Air to mitigate the substantial lessening of competition in passenger and cargo transport services, uh, the CMA, Britain's antitrust regulator, gave the green light to the highly anticipated merger of Korean Air as well as uh, with uh, Asiana Airlines. Now, after the airline agreed to give up some slots to uh, British airliner Virgin Atlantic on the Incheon-London route, that is, now, the CMA assessed that undertakings submitted by Korean Air are appropriate remedies to concerns stemming from the current status of Korean Air and Asiana as the only two airlines flying between Seoul, Incheon, and London's uh, Heathrow Airport. And under a new framework, uh, Korean Air will allow competitors to access the route by offering seven slots currently held by Asiana to Virgin Atlantic. Now, the merger remains subject to control clearance in the U.S., Japan, and the EU. Uh, a Korean Air official said that the company will actively cooperate with the regulators of the three to complete this merger as soon as possible. And through a statement released Wednesday evening, Korean Air said the CMA's latest move shows its proposed remedy could address concerns over reduced competition and adding that a decision is expected to have a positive impact on the ongoing review of the United States, the European Union, and Japan. Yeah, so again, the official merger should probably take place uh, later this year, but it's not uh, 100%. Uh, Polina Maldonado says, uh, thank you very much for the information. I like Asiana. It's a very good airline. <laughs> I guess uh, someone took the Asiana airline coming here before. Uh, let's move on. On Wednesday, the U.S. Treasury Department adding more sanctions on individuals and companies that are accused of illicitly generating revenue for the North Korean company. Of course, certainly not the very first time that this has been happened. Jiang, uh, let's get the details of what exactly happened here. Uh, sure. Now, the Treasury, the U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control, also known as OFAC, uh, sanctioned Chisung Trading Corporation, which it says it use, it's used by North Korea to earn foreign currency and collect intelligence. And also Korea Peko Trading Corporation, which is accused of generating funds for North Korean government since the 1980s by uh, conducting art and construction projects throughout the Middle East and Asia, and uh, Africa, excuse me, Middle East and Africa. Now, OFAC also sanctioned two individuals, Hwang Gil-su and Park Hwasong, for helping the North Korean government generate uh, the revenue. Now, the Treasury Department said that the individuals established a company named Congo Encore. S-A-R-L in the Dominican Republic of Congo to earn revenue from construction and uh, statue building projects with local governments. Now, the European Union has previously designated uh, Chisung Company and Peko Company and also Park and 
Huang for engaging in sanctions invasion and being responsible for supporting North Korea's nuclear and ballistic missile programs. Now, the U.S. Treasury Department said that the United States remains committed to targeting North Korea's global illicit networks that generate revenue for unlawful weapons of mass destruction and ballistic missile programs uh, that threaten international security and regional stability. So uh, they are pretty much saying that they mean business. That's right. Uh, In the meantime, realistic combined drills between South Korea and the United States This involving the AC-130J and the MC-130J warplanes uh, kicking off earlier this month. Uh, The exercise expected to further strengthen the already firm security commitment between the allies. Uh, Ji, you have more on this? Right. So according to Captain Kimberly Chato, uh, Director of Public Affairs for U.S. Special Operations Command Korea, the exercise teak knife began. Now, the joint drill comes amid escalating tensions due to North Korea's missile launches, uh, that of course including that of long-range missile that was fired on February the 18th. And according uh, to Captain Kimberly Shotto, the uh, current training is one of the ins- one of that ensures combat readiness for uh, special operations forces, no matter the environment, while also strengthening uh, the strong commitment between the United States and uh, South Korea. Now, for the exercise, the U.S. has deployed, like you said, AC-130J uh, warplane from Herbert Air Force Base in Florida, as well well as an MC-130J multi-mission combat transport aircraft uh, from the 353rd Special Operations Wing at Kadena Air Base in Japan. And it is the first time that these flights, uh, which are which is a heavily armed, long-endurance ground attack plane, has been sent to Korea. And also, uh, this having this aircraft come from the U.S. gives us opportunities throughout the exercise. That's what uh, the captain said, to support extended deterrence and what special operations aircraft are able to provide throughout the uh, different training scenarios with both the U.S. and ROK Special Operation Forces. Moving on here amid uh, North Korea's food shortages. Uh, we've actually talked about this with an expert earlier this week, uh, even in areas where it's considered uh, more rich areas of uh, North Korea are seeing suffer- people suffering from uh, food shortages. Uh, the Supreme Leader, Kim Jong-un, uh, urging officials to meet agricultural production targets, declaring that nothing is impossible under the leadership of the ruling Workers' Party. Cheung, tell us more about this. Uh, sure. Now, as North Korea's leader, Kim Jong-un, wrapped up the seventh plenary meeting of the ruling Workers' Party Central Committee on Wednesday, Kim gave instructions to revamp uh, irrigation systems, build modern farming machines, and create more farmable land in North Korea. Uh, Now, the state-run Korean Central News Agency reported that Kim said that officials should concentrate on meeting grain production targets without fail, uh, increasing yields at all farms, and eradicating internal factors that have a negative effect on the development of agriculture. Now, um, North Korea has long suffered from food insecurity 
security for quite some time with a devastating famine in the 1990s, estimated to have killed somewhere between 240,000 and 3.5 million people. And analysts have blamed recent extreme weather and border closures during the COVID-19 pandemic for the deterioration in the food situation up in the north. Following decades of economic stagnation due to the centralized planning and also the diversion of resources to weapons development and international sanctions. So Kim Jong-un's recent remarks show that North Korea's food shortages have become a, another priority, plus their um, ambitions to create uh, weapons as well. So they're on the top two. And uh, despite the fact they did uh, look it up, uh, Kim Jong-un makes something like he receives something like $500 million a year is what they're doing. And his uh, personal assets have increased. Uh, he's worth about $6 billion is what it is. Oh. And so yet, uh, despite this, people are starving. And I think I encourage everyone, uh, if you guys are interested, there's a lot of books, again, written by some of the uh, the North Korean defectors. And you know, I, I mentioned that I had a chance to read one of the books, uh, Green Light to Freedom. I had no idea how bad things are in North Korea until you get a first, you know, actual first person's perspective on what exactly happened in the 90s mm -hmm. and what's happening right now and it's uh, devastating right now mm -hmm. um nevertheless guys thank you as always for your reports today have a safe rest of the week and we'll see you guys again thank you, see you again you can listen to korea now with me sj lee by downloading the arirang radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com so make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.